this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. What's up, people? Welcome back to Rebranding Safety. Today, we are reflecting on my conversation with Carsten Bush. Let's jump into the intro, and then we'll chat some more. The problem in safety isn't deviation, it's complexity. Health and safety has gone mad. Health and safety is trying to unpick having gone mad in the past. There's no one solution and one problem. The problem is that we are looking for one solution. Does the structure of the team allow them to flourish? Feel safe enough to be uncomfortable. The environment defines our behaviours. People aren't the problem, they're the solution. Rebranding safety, crushing the stereotype. Brought to you by Risper. What's up, people? Welcome back to Rebranded Safety. Rebranded Safety doing exactly what it says on the team, we're to change the perception of health and safety. We do that here on, the, on the, the podcast, and we do that on YouTube as well. So if you're new here, hit all those buttons, the follow button, whatever it is, subscribe. This is a podcast-only episode, so no one's watching us on YouTube. It's just me chatting away. Now, a couple of caveats for this episode. I've got a new toy. The Roadcaster Pro. So, literally recording all of this background music, intro, the brought to you by Safety FM, all of that stuff live, which is cool AF. But means it might be messy as, especially the kind of background music. I'm really not sure how that's going to work because this they got like two minutes left of this clip. Um, and then what do I do? Do I put another one on? Do I play this one again? I don't know. Well, I'm going to wing it. Let's see how it goes. So, I'm reflecting on my chat with Carsten Bush. I've got to say, probably one of the most kind of enlightening chats. One of, one of the most important things we needed to hear in this Safety 1, Safety 2 space. That is what I think, that would be my summary. Yeah, that, that's what I'm trying to say. That would be my summary of my conversation with Carsten. It would be that what he says we need to hear, uh, and uh, frankly, a lot more of us need to take on board. Um, but let's go through some of my notes. Firstly, he kind of started off giving us a very good background of, of Heinrich. So Herbert William, I think, if I remember rightly, Heinrich. And... What I loved about it was a couple of things that it kind of come from very humble beginnings, you know, like an engineering kind of uh, background um, where he's kind of, oh, hang on a minute, <laughs> I'm reading the wrong notes here. I'm reading notes about casting background. Oh, <laughs> Herbert, this has gone terribly wrong already, but I don't want to waste all of this good mixing I've done, so I'm just going to crack on. So actually what I'm talking about here is Carsten's history. So interesting that Carsten mentioned early on that he's come from like a really engineering-focused uh, role and kind of doing that shift over to like a real people-focused role, which I feel like is a natural um, transition for a lot of us, definitely when I've gone through, I wouldn't say engineering, but I definitely have gone through like this technical-focused role uh, and now shifting over to, to people focus. So I think it's interesting and, and I don't really want to talk about like what the safety profession should be in the future because I, I've, I'm saving that for another episode. 
which actually brings me to one of my points that I need to say that in the intro to Carsten's interview, I said there's only two more conversations left of this mini-series, which is wrong. I got it wrong, people. We've actually got an interview with David Provan, which needs to come out, where he's kind of talking about, we talk about loads of stuff, as per usual, but we talk quite heavily around his research, around, like, the safety professional. So I'm going to leave some of the stuff around that shift from technical to people and maybe what our profession may or may not be in the future or what my opinion of it all is to to that reflection so we're not going to touch on that too much anymore so that he's kind of always been fascinated oh sorry i've always been fascinated by how we approach risk and safety and and be kind of resilient and in things like the police force and the fire service i think what an interesting dilemma we kind of have there that you know normally and i think i said this in my conversation with carsten but normally we're, we're kind of you know getting people to stay away from the risk whereas actually in that, those kind of roles we're, we're sending people directly into the risk so i think that's really interesting uh kind of dilemma and i think it's one that we are talking quite heavily around in safety too is having that kind of capacity to fail because the environment is so dynamic in those types of roles is you you have to build up enough capacity to to fail safely which i kind of like uh, i love that carson kind of says that he's fascinated by uncertainty like i love that uh, and, and i think that uncertainty that complexity is essentially what this safety two space is talking a lot about and i think it's fascinating in a way, and especially when we look on what we, we'll discuss in a second, or what you've listened to already around Heinrich and how actually some of the stuff that he'd done still works, but for the simple problems, not necessarily the complex problems. So we've kind of got two different types of world here. And it's interesting, I've just been messaging literally last night, messaging a gentleman, give me some very kind feedback about the podcast where he was mess- he was talking about my reflection on I think it was John Green's podcast and and I was talking about like the simplicity of some of the stuff and 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 he was saying you know I think I was talking around like the use of language and the use of kind of trying to explain stuff to our leaders in the workplace and that actually a lot of the time we need to make things simple which essentially is what Herbert was doing Herbert Heinring he's communicating to managers so he's adjusted his message for the audience and made it really simple and then i was talking to this gentleman on linkedin and i was saying you know what's interesting the more and more i think about this and the more and more these conversations go on it's like safety is unbelievably complex and that's why in our intro we we've taken a snippet from my conversation with ron gant all those months and months ago where we said that you know the, the problem is complexity the problem is is not people it's how complex our problems actually are and our businesses and our social technical um environments that we're operating how complex that actually is and then when we look at the conversations or or not conversations the critical um the criticism there we go think of the word james the criticism for um a lot of this stuff the, the triangle the dominoes um just the conversations that people have on LinkedIn and so on and so forth, it a lot of the time the problem is is that we're trying to make it really simple. 
one of the problems anyway i should probably correct myself is that we're trying to make a lot of this quite simple so we're trying to simplify it so when someone goes well what is safety two you inherently try to simplify it therein lies the problem is that when you simplify something it, it loses a lot of the uh, context that we need in those kind of complex theories and, and approaches that we have to safety. So it's kind of like we need to have two different languages. We need to have a simple way, a way of simplifying stuff for an audience that needs it simplifying, that doesn't need to be bogged down by all the complexities of human factors and and kind of socioeconomics and social technical problems and, and all this stuff and people that just do not need to get into that. And then there's another side where we talk to kind of the safety professionals that are heavily in this conversation. And that's where we go deep. That's where we get real heavy on this. And maybe there's even a language in the middle of that. People like myself who are going through this transition from, I don't know, traditional safety to new safety, if we want to call it that. Not really sure, but that was kind of my initial thoughts around it. So... Let's kind of look at some of my notes. I think there's something that we need to take away from. There's a lot. There's, there's so much we could take away from Carsten. And one of the things is that we need to be a little bit more critical in our thinking and not taking everything on face value. So, for example, when we go in the safety two space, a lot of us go, well, you know, it's just about not blaming people. You know, because when we blame, we can't learn. Well, that's correct. And I agree with that. But we live in a world of blame. We exist in a world of blame. You only have to watch uh, Prime Minister's questions in the UK for like two minutes and you'll see that we exist in a world of blame. So how is it, how is it that we could go to leaders and tell them, well, you can't blame our people, our workers, our employees, because we'll never learn. But they're sitting there, well, well I'm going to get blamed. My stakeholders, my shareholders, my insurers, etc., the board are all going to hold me to account if something goes wrong. The enforcer is going to hold me to account if something goes wrong. Damn, I, I could go to jail because that's what I am as a CEO. And some might say, well, that's why you get paid the big bucks, blah, blah, blah. And that's a fair point. But we don't exist in a world of no blame. So we need to be a bit more critical in how we look at things. And I think we can... We can simplify things and say, you know, well, it's about no blame and you can't learn when you blame and that's, that's very good. But as safety professionals, we need to be a little bit more critical in exploring that statement a little bit more. Is there a time to blame? Is there a time to not blame? So we kind of take that as a, as a blanket rule. We don't, we don't blame, we learn. But actually, a lot of people I speak to, they say, well, blame still does exist. People are still held to be account. You know, where people are gen genuinely sabotaging a system, or someone's being genuinely malicious, then there is, a, there is a kind of cause for blame. So I think when we're having these conversations, we need to be a bit more critical and not take everything on face value. And, and also, you know, have a look if that is the direct quote of something. And I'm, I'm going to finish off on a, on a very closely related statement, um, which I think is, is important. So I'm not really going to discuss this anymore because I, I'm going to come back to it at the end um, because I'll, there is something I want to finish on in this reflection. So I am going to kind of leave it there. 
and move on to the next point. So when I said about humble beginnings, I was talking about Herbert Heinrich, uh, but was reading my, my notes to Carson. So now I'm on, on track of my notes. Heinrich, I love that he had such humble beginnings. Like this guy was a boiler engineer, fought in World War One. Like the guy's a bloody hero. Like there's no um and an ah in about it. He is a hero. And then he's come back and not only kind of like fought the war, he's come back and he's gone, right, need to find a job, gets a job, then gets a, you know, that, that, that career and then becomes actually like the, the, the bloody grandfather, the, the kind of founding father, so to speak, of, of safety. Obviously, there are more people that were involved, but this guy's a bloody legend and, and we owe Heinrich so much and yes his work does deserve criticism and yes that criticism is good and it enables you to so let's finish but well, like i said in the podcast we, we have to give this man some respect in the amount of work that he has done and why that's led us in in the world that we live in now like he's responsible for s- just better workplaces in general so i think that was one thing I took away from this that you know I was humbled by it in that I've probably been unfair in in my criticism of, of Heinrich um, interesting as well in the notes I've got here that it's interesting that he was working in insurance so he he, he was kind of doing this proactive stuff from insurance insurance was a lot more um kind of morally focused maybe than maybe it is now and i think maybe insurers kind of lost their way through the middle but you do start to see a little bit of that now there's a lot of those big especially the bigger insurers coming out with like and maybe this was around before you know and i'll stand corrected if it was but there's uh like some insurers that have now have like funds for you to proactively improve your safety performance within your business because that's mutually beneficial um they're doing a little bit more you know there's a lot more insurers that are you know funding research and stuff like that so i feel like we're coming back round to this insurers being more proactive and maybe the driving force in a lot of things uh i think we've got a long way to come but i think that's reassuring and it's interesting that that seems to have been their roots in that you know, essentially, Heinrich was working for an, in, in, in insurance, and um, and and he was the one that kind of, well, like I say, was the, the godfather or the grandfather of safety. So I think it's worth just that final kind of hat, hat tip and and thank you to to Heinrich. That kind of uh, just saying, cheers, cheers, mate. You know, we, we kind of owe you one. Um, and, and I think we, we need to appreciate his work. So anyway, that, that that's my point there. I think it's it's interesting now that we struggle as to the kind of what is what is a safety professional. And it was interesting as well that Carsten mentioned that actually Heinrich was more of a management professional, less of a safety professional. Maybe a safety professional didn't really exist back then, but... I think that's interesting that that seems to be a, a constant challenge for our profession in that we don't really have a clear place to sit. I mean, I've sit in, I've sat in about four or five different management lines or areas of operation within companies throughout my career, and I've not even really been doing this that long. So 
there's still there seems to have been originally and there still is now a real difficulty in understanding where we actually sit in the business and, and maybe even what we should be doing um, and I think like I say I'm going to talk about our profession in my reflection after um, after my interview with David Provan but we are kind of struggling with like an identity crisis at the moment um, but it's interesting to see that even back then uh, Heinrich kind of had had a similar challenge uh, or a similar problem so let's have a look what else I've got. I've got so many notes from this conversation with Carsten. I think it's interesting that that kind of simplicity thing that I was talking about earlier and that kind of three different languages we need to have. I think we need to be so aware of the, the, the audience that we're trying to communicate with. Um, and, and I think, you know, I, I think about that from the podcast point of view, like who is my audience? And it's still changing now. Um, what language should you use in 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 the podcast what language should you use in your conversations at work what about your training sessions in your in your policies and procedures etc and what are the risks of using that language so as we kind of talked about in the episode you know um the dominoes the triangle etc they're metaphors they're illustrations they're they're intended to communicate a message in a very simple manner and that was because his intended audience was management professionals. People that are extremely busy, people that don't have time to go into the technical side of things. So therefore, he was right in the way he approached that, that issue. But there was a risk to that because people that wanted a more complex system criticized the, the basic level, the helicopter view, so to speak, of the simplicity of side of it by saying that, well, you know, we're going to get 3,000 accidents that, or near misses. That means we're, we're going to have this many and, and then eventually we're going to kill someone. And it's like we took that as a kind of one trick pony um, and, and then gone. Oh, right. Well, he was Heinrich was obviously an idiot and, uh, and clearly didn't know what he was talking about. Was actually no, no, no. What he was trying to do was communicate some some kind of very simple imagery, illustration and, and, and metaphors to the company to say, there are indicators within your businesses um, that you should probably look at that will help you predict to a point, uh, you know, a serious accident. And we kind of have evolved and evolved and then lost the context of that original intention and then gone, oh, right. So basically, uh, we can exactly predict through numbers and statistics of when a fatality is going to happen. No, we can't. So... Yeah, interesting. Uh, when we talked about the triangle, the triangle it illustrates that we miss a lot of opportunities to learn, and that kind of for me was like, well, hence a creation of near misses. There were there were opportunities to learn, and then I feel like Eric Konagel and his work in safety too has then just evolved that even further to say, well, there's even more opportunities to learn in, in how where we succeed in a business. So it's not necessarily a criticism of. Of Heinrich's work, but actually an evolution of Heinrich's work, which essentially is what John Green talks about. Is what is what Kevin Furness talks about. It's what Adam Johns talks about. There is a trend coming here. This is just a natural evolution. And in five years' time, ten years' time, twenty years' time, whatever, I'm going to be a really old man. Hopefully, I'm just living off the coattails of this podcast and just doing the old keynote every now and then and making big bucks, you know, because I've wrote a couple of books. Blah blah blah. 
and there'll be people saying how wrong I was, how wrong Adam Johns was. You know, he's quite, he's very young, so he's he's at the pinnacle of his career, prime opportunity. So he's got miles to go. I think they're going to be criticising the work that we've done, the interviews that we've done, the webinars that we've done, and going, well, they were idiots, you know, safety too. What we don't blame people, and and uh, I don't know what was another saying. We can find ways to learn from from our successes. What a stupid statement. And, and that is inevitable. And damn, it's a good thing. So I just felt like, well, I'm, I'm pretty much repeating myself. I? Let's, let's be honest. I am repeating myself. But when we argue about safety one and when we are critical of Heinrich, I think it's very clear that we're not actually arguing or debating the theories as they are originally intended. So I can only hope that when people look back on, like I say, stuff that I've done, stuff that Adam Johnson's doing, stuff that Eric's done, Sydney's done, um, Todd's done, a- anyone. I just hope that people can try and have a bit of uh, local rationality that can go well what were they thinking at the time what was their their, their, the context of the situation at the time oh this was the environment at the time therefore i can see why they're going there so i'm not going to overly be critical of their work but i'm just going to evolve it i feel like if we had that mindset we, we might be a hell of a lot further than where we are now um so i mean that's just a little bit of a messy rant that i went on there but a lot of the time we just when we're arguing about this stuff we're not actually arguing about the theories and, and i stand by this and i have for this whole mini series we, we, we're arguing about the poor implementation of theories we're arguing about the misinterpretation of some theories of some approaches behavior based safety is a perfect example of that and I'm going to touch on it's kind of all come around the same point here um, and I realize that I'm saying the same thing over and over but in a, in a different way but behavior-based safety is a is a clear example of that like that is commonly put in the safety one box like Taylorism behavior-based safety and all that in and and that the way that people describe behavior-based safety is that we basically find the bad behaviors slap the wrist and tell them to go back to work or discipline them and there's so much more to it, like as Carsten says, you know, that Taylor he, he even says in his work about about looking at the environment that, that, that you're in. Um, and as I've said time and time again, Scott Geller, Geller says the environment defines the behaviours. So I just think we need to be very aware of what we're being critical of. And be clear on that because it's okay to be critical of something 100% because that's how we evolve. Dissenting opinions is a damn good thing. But we can be respectful whilst we do that and we can be clear on what we're being critical of. And, and damn, we can be we can be understanding when someone's critical of our criticism as well. So when someone, you know, if we're going to be critical of something, then someone needs to have, you need to have that kind of... Uh, what's the phrase like the, your personal resilience to be, have somebody come back and say well no actually your criticism is wrong that that's not right this is this is this and this is why and you go oh okay i didn't think of it like that so that's a very fair point and then you go okay cool we've all learned here uh, and we can move on evolution i love that john that's how john green talks about it that natural evolution 
of safety, of work, and so on and so forth. So that's just one thing for us to be aware of, I think, is that like let's be aware of what we're being critical of and be clear of what we're being critical of. Let me move on through my notes. The dominoes, I mean, this was just a fascinating conversation in that, and, and this for me, is this comes back to my buffet example that I mentioned in the conversation, that the domino theory is essentially like, a, the, the or the accident theory, as, as Heinrich called it. And the criticism for that comes from... Um, the depiction of it being so linear like the process of it being so linear oh, oh this was a cause for that and therefore this and that and it, it, it implicates everything so simple therefore enter the criticism where they say no it's too complex everything's more more complex than that there's so much more context it's never as simple as that but it was interesting that the way carson said it was that well actually Yes, you are correct, but some things are not that complex. Some things are quite simple, in which case the domino theory would work really well. Because let's not make complexity out of nothing. Like if there's, if there's not, if it's just a molehill, let's not turn it into a mountain. Um, let's just use the dominoes and crack on, um, which which I quite I quite liked. So to me, it was like, well, okay. Okay, let, let's look at this then. So what we've got is a dominoes. Okay, we'll keep that. We've got the, I don't know, Swiss cheese, for example. We've got five Ys. You know, there's three things that probably somebody will go there. We'll save the one. Um, you know, and then you've got human factors. So don't limit yourself to one group. Like just keep all of these tools in your toolbox. Learn them all. Don't be like, well, no, I'm a hot professional. So I, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do that. Like, yeah, I would probably say I sit in the on the on the more of the hop side of things. That that stuff seems to make more sense to me. But damn, I'm still going to use a five Y's when when I need to. One hundred percent. Nothing wrong with that because sometimes that works for me. And I think um, the the kind of well, I'm just going to read some notes here, but I'm just reading my notes and reading that doesn't make any sense. Criticism comes from linearity, safety two movement is the back of complexity. Yeah, so it's kind of safety two, you know, it says that a lot of this is complex. And again, we'll come back to that, that wrong Gantt statement. I'm just reading my notes, one apologies. Um, I've completely lost. Anyway, right, I'm going to move on. My next note is, is I'm probably... I'm probably going to finish on this point, actually. I understand that last couple of minutes was a bit messy. I, I have a warning for everybody. This is one thing I've learned in, in probably just this year of doing this podcast. And this kind of baptism of fire that I've had within the Safety 1, Safety 2 space. It's something that I've picked up from two places. And primarily it's from the conversations that I've had with with a lot of people in the safety one and safety two space. But also there's a saying that I'm going to use at the end of this, which I've stolen from uh, Drew Ray and David Provan on the Safety of Work podcast. Because what they say on the Safety of Work podcast is go to the source. They always say, if you read someone's writing, go to there, go to their writing and read it don't read someone else's quotation of their work go to their work so go to the source and i say this because there is a certain 
safety to academic out there that's kind of claiming that behavioral based safety doesn't or hasn't previously said things like the environment defines the behaviors until safety two came along and said the environment defines the behaviors basically which is not true as, as Carson said in, in that conversation, you know, Taylor talks about the, the, the looking at the environment. So, and, and that, that, you know, safety two is not the only people that do it. You know, there's, there's safety one people that, and I don't even want to say the safety one two people and safety two people, you know, that why do we have to segregate these people? Like, geez, come on. It's the 21st century. But there are people in each camps, if you want to put them in camps, that, that do misrepresent, they do make comments that are factually incorrect, and they do say, oh, they didn't do this until we come along. Frankly, I don't care. Like, I really don't care who said it first, whether it was environments defined their behaviours or the context to other behaviours or behaviour is this or, you know, everything's complex. or I don't care who said it. Like, I'm going to buy all of the books. I've got Geller books. I've got Conklin books. I've got Eric books, you know, and I listen to all of this stuff on the internet. And it makes no odds to me. I've got Decker books. I'm picking stuff from all of them that work. So I think the lesson that we can kind of come back here is, is twofold, which you would have picked up from my conversation with Carson anyway, but it's that being critical of, of things be, have, have that critical thinking kind of process so when i say crit, big big critical i don't mean criticize i mean be critical of what you're reading like don't take things on face value have a bit more of a critical thinking mindset i think you know that's been kind of career defining for me since um coming across that that kind of uh way of thinking and so on and the next one would be that local rationality i think when we, especially when we are being, when we are criticizing people's work, it's try to, it's that old saying, isn't it? My grandma used to say, put yourself in their shoes. Like, Jesus Christ, you know, none of this stuff is new. We do that, we should do that work. We should do that home. We should do that when we're criticizing the government, for God's sake. We should do that in every single case. And frankly, trust me, you become so much less stressed. When you, when you do that, when you put yourself in someone's shoes, when you think, okay, well, what's the context? Well, I don't know the context, therefore I'm not going to judge. Like, it's like, it's like a weight off your shoulders. And when you're doing it at work, you know, it's just a, it's just, a, it creates better work. Like if you're doing an accident investigation and you're trying to understand why somebody made that decision, instead of just blaming them for making that decision, you're trying to understand what drove you to make that decision. Well, then you then you're able to get an understanding of something that drove them to that behaviour. Therefore, you can potentially stop somebody else being drove to that behaviour. And then from from a personal point of view, which I was hinting to a second ago, is looking for context and things and trying to put yourself in other people's shoes. It's like. A conversation I had with with my mother the other day when we were driving from my town to where she lives, and some guy did something in a car I can't remember, and she was just like, "Oh my god, I hate it when people do that. I hate it when people do that." And I was like, "Why?" And she was like, "Well, you know, it's just they're overtaking you. They get in front of you." I was like, "Yeah, but why does it matter to you? Just let them go in front of you. 
And frankly, like if they're driving dangerous, I want them as far away from me as possible. But let's say somebody does do something a bit annoying, a bit naughty on the roads. It's, it's out of your control. And if they do that and you get all stressed and that, and I used to do this, I used to get so annoyed at people. So annoyed. And I'm like, who's the one getting stressed here? It's only me getting stressed. They're not stressed. They've overtook me and buggered off. And we're probably not even going to the, the, the same place. So it really doesn't matter. So I think just being a little less kind of, I don't know, judgy about things and uptight. And be a bit more relaxed. And also, we don't know if that guy just cut me up and overtook me and is going 100 miles an hour because he's on the way to hospital because his wife's giving birth. Or we don't know if, if it's a, you know, a woman's rushing to see her father that's poorly or something like that. We don't know any of the context. And, and Gary V says this all the time in his podcast and his work and his keynotes and his videos, etc. Is you can't judge people without context. And I just think context is absolutely everything. And we do not do that in the safety profession when we are critical of other people's work. Whether you're on the safety one side being critical of safety two or you're on safety two being critical of safety one. Nobody gives a hat tip. Nobody tries to understand the context of why that was there. Nobody goes to the source of the information. We take things off face value with no context and we just start being critical so there's my little rant for the day i think carsten is saying a lot of sense making a lot of sense he's saying a lot of things that we are desperate to hear and that's why i kind of said in the introduction that he's kind of like the the police officer ironically holding us all to account uh, and, and keeping us all in line like he doesn't really pick sides he just corrects us like i've, I've been in full-blown arguments where he's just one minute he's like, actually, you know, you safety two guy over here, you're wrong. And then the next minute he's like, oh no, that safety one guy's right. He's literally just correcting his, he's just correcting our quotes and things like that to make sure that we're having an argument, but we're, ha we're having the right argument, that we're arguing about something correct. And damn, I think we need more people like Carson in this world. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation. If you did, give it a share. I would greatly appreciate that. You know, all of this helps. We are, I'm recording this at five days before Christmas. So I would say to you that, you know, please share because I'm trying to get to a thousand before the end of the year. You know, yes, the numbers are not the important thing. And yes, I appreciate all of my listeners, but damn, it would be cool to hit a thousand just before the new year. But this will come out after the new year. So hell, I, God knows if we've made it. Hopefully we have. Have a look. If we have, drop me a message. Say, well done, James. If we haven't, say, mm, commiserations, but I'm going to share the podcast for you. If you really like the podcast, you can do us a massive favour, a huge, huge favour, because it's Christmas. And give us a rate and review on iTunes, because that really, really helps us. And we really appreciate that. I'm going to do a Christmas New Year special anyway, so say Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. But... I hope you did have a happy Christmas and I hope you did have a happy new year or any kind of celebration you were having over that festive period. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you had a nice break. If you did have a break, I hope you did have a break. You know, we all deserve a bit of a break and I hope it was a lovely time. So 
I shall catch you next week where we'll be talking to David Provan. So remember, I said there was only two episodes left. I was incorrect. There's not only two episodes there. There is three. So next week, we're talking to David Provan. And then after that, we'll be talking to Trita Swinton. And then after that, we'll be talking to Simon Cassin. And that will be the end of the Safety 2 miniseries. Thanks for listening, people. Safe. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily reflect the position of the companies. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are examples only based on limited and dated open source information and should not be utilised in real life as the only solution available. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the companies. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic or otherwise, without prior written permission from James McPherson.